You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Well, 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 well. Hopefully everybody is having a good day today. I am uh, running solo on this episode. It's nice and sunny out here in Iowa. We've gotten some rain. Everything looks like it's progressing very well. I haven't checked trail cameras in a while, and that's something that's on my to-do list. But uh, I'm just going to kind of go into a no-fluff episode here real quick, and I want to talk a little bit about hard lessons that I've learned throughout the years and maybe share some of that uh, with you. So although I, I feel like you need to fail and learn some of the lessons the hard way to, you know, so, you, so everybody gets those aha type moments. Um, but also some of this stuff can really help you if, uh, especially if you're tired, right? And, uh, you know, making dumb mistakes is what I'm going to say. And I still make them to this day. I make tons of dumb mistakes out in the woods. And most of them happen when I'm uh, extremely tired or it's towards the end of a, a long day or a long week of hunting. And that's typically when I start to really start, to, you know, the mental fatigue uh, causes the, you know, the brain farts, the mental uh, fatigue really start to uh, hinder the decision making. And then you, you're doing things that are, I don't know, are dumb and you're making rookie mistakes out there. So we're going to try to avoid those. And I'm going to share a lot, uh, some of this stuff that I've gone through the hard way. And uh, whether you know this or not, or maybe you can take it into the woods with you, or maybe you've already learned your lessons the hard way. These are some of the things that uh, I have really screwed up and uh, screwed up on in the past. And uh, I already have a tired throat for some reason, probably from yelling at my kids. So I'm going to drink some water. All right. <clears throat> Whoops. All right. So I want to get into this episode, but first I just kind of want to send a shout out. I'm not going to do a full line of commercials for you guys. I just want to say, 
you know, huge shout out to Wasp Archery, Vortex Optics, Hunt Stand, Ozonics, Lone Wolf, uh, Exodus Trail Cameras, and Excalibur Crossbows. Please go out and take a look at all of the products that these guys offer. All those companies are excellent companies. I use these products for a reason. And uh, they, you know, they allow me to be the style of hunter that I am in, you know, pretty much every facet. So um, please, I'll say I'll say them one more time so you can go uh, take a look at them. Excalibur crossbows, Exodus trail cameras, lone wolf tree stands, Ozonic scent elimination, hunt stand, uh, uh, digital mapping, and uh, the app. Uh, Vortex Optics, obviously, and Wasp Broadheads. Please go out and support those companies. Now, <clears throat> let's get right into it because uh, my kids are going to be home from school and I don't want to be here when they do. <laughs> so uh, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk a little bit about these dumb dumb mistakes that I've made in, in the past. And a lot of them have had to do with when I started running and gunning right? Living that mobile lifestyle. And uh, a lot of it had to do with, you know, I don't want to talk about access right, routes right now because they're very important. The first thing that I want to say is, and I, I wrote some notes here, and it, the first bullet point is do not backtrack. So I've had to learn this lesson the hard way a couple times where you pop into the timber and you're looking for good terrain. You're, you know, you're looking for everything that you're supposed to be looking for. Maybe sign, maybe terrain, maybe edge, whether that's vegetation, maybe a pinch point or a funnel or whatever. You're looking for all these things. But what I used to do that really kicked me in my ass was I would go in, I'd find a good spot, but then I'd say, hey man, I'm just going to try to get a little bit closer. I'm going to go, I'm just going to creep in a little bit more. So I would go in 40, 50, however many more yards and then I would second guess myself and then I would say, all right, well, I'm going to go back to that original spot, right? So what I've done is I've just laid scent and I've intruded in that position every single, t like 50 yards, right? So if a weary buck or a weary doe is coming up that ridge line, they could potentially catch my scent and I would never even, you know, sometimes never even see them or never even have a, a, a shot opportunity at them if, they, if I did see them because they would, uh, they'd catch my ground scent and they'd be like, eh, I'm going to go the long way around. You know, maybe it wasn't a immediate threat, but it spooked them out just enough to where maybe they flanked my position out of shooting range or they turned around and walked the other way. Maybe, maybe they didn't even blow. They just maybe skirted down to the next ridge and then walked up that ridge. So... Don't backtrack. Once you get into a certain point, don't back out. Set up right there. That is, that is as far as access or access route is concerned, dude. I have I've been busted so many times back in the day from this and learning from this that uh, even if I made a bad decision and I went too far, I had to commit to that point, right? Because either way, if they're if they go through that original spot. Or they go, or they come in to where you've already laid your ground set. You're already, 
you've already lost before you're even up in the tree, right? Especially if the, the doe, the doe or the buck is, is weary and really, uh, skittish, you know, like, uh, I don't know from what I hear, a lot of uh, people hunt skittish deer, especially in some of this, this, uh, high pressured public that uh, everybody talks about. So that would be, that would be one of the most important things as to, you know, kind of choosing, uh, a tree stand location on a run and gun access route. I think that, I think that little piece of advice when someone gave it to me was probably the biggest one of the biggest, you know, aside from, Hey, just being mobile, it was probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've ever received from anybody, or I have learned the hard way. I can remember, uh, man, I want to say it was late two thousands. And I, I had, I had seen a buck up on top of this ridge. I was down in a river bottom and I saw him up on this ridge. And one day I walked into the same ridge that he, that I saw him at the night before I walked down the ridge a little too far. And I said, well, there's this little spur ridge. I think this little terrain feature where this edge meets. And I set up there instead. So I walked down the ridge, turn around, walk back. Sure enough, this 170, this is no shit, 170 inch eight pointer pops his head out and uh, comes up to the, uh, comes up, starts working his way up the ridge. Sure enough, he catches something and he did not like it. And uh, he turned around and just casually walked to the next ridge. And then I, I lost him after that. So, that was a kick in the nuts that day. That might have even been like 2010 or 2009 or something like that. I can't remember, but it was a giant. And I, I, I think about that every single day when, I am, when I'm doing my mobile hunting and I'm walking in. I'm like, do not go one step further. So every step really matters at, at, at that point. You have to be so anal retentive in that, in that approach. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's just me. And that's where I've failed over the years. And that's how I've corrected. And that corrective, um, me, that correcting has led to me having way more encounters with deer, whether they're shooters or not. Uh, you know, cause you know, the, a shooter deer just isn't on every ridge, right. Or, or every, or every setup. Um, it's as far as the access is concerned and that strategy I just have been put into more opportunities when I really watch how deep and far I go and I don't second guess myself and I don't backtrack. So rule number one, I guess, would be don't backtrack on those on those uh, access routes. So lock tight access, right? Everybody always talks about this. You, you've heard this a hundred times. First time in, best time in. And I can agree with that. And But I can also say that the first time in is the best time in, but throw a little asterisk up there. But if your access route is lock tight, you can get away with hunting that stand multiple times, multiple times. And I'll give you an example. So um, I used to be this field edge hunter, right? Just like everybody used to be at some point. Got sick of it, got mobile. And, uh, you know, a couple of years go by and I find this real good, um, this real good edge that leads into a staging area. So it's kind of thick timber. It becomes open timber on this ridge, uh, on both sides of the ridge, you know, on that military crest where, that everybody talks about, there's big trails leading up. So 
the ridge runs west and east. Uh, east is high ground. West runs to the creek. Uh, and uh, um, there's thickness on the end of the ridge. It opens up into some a little bit wider timber. And then it hits this hard edge where it's real thick. starts getting thick and nasty. And it leads into this beautiful staging area. So I hunt on that edge that leads right into this the staging area where all the sign starts. They stage up before they go into the fields. So on a north wind, it's blowing right in my face and then it's going, uh, it's going south and it's getting sucked down into this other little drainage and they have no clue I'm there. I can let them, I I let doe groups walk by all night. It's, it's a, if it's a perfect setup and what makes it perfect is the access route. And I live by this, I I don't know, I kind of call it the, the rule of 90 where I will walk into an area and then on my entrance into the stand location, whether I've picked it out or not, I am taking a hard 90 degree turn into that tree stand. Almost like uh, if you've ever heard the strategy of how um, mature bucks are a really smart deer J hook into their bed. So they'll have a bedding location and they'll J hook down into it in order to get to the uh, you know the best wind so they can scent check that bed as they walk into it and I'll tell you this the same strategy can be used in your access route right it's almost like a game of chess so um, I drop down into this this low point of this drainage and then I 90 degree up into this stand and what makes this particular stand so attractive is that when the wind blows um, over, it gets sucked down into this drainage and goes somewhere. I don't know where it goes, but it doesn't bother the deer, right? I found that. Also, on the entrance into that where I start my 90-degree turn, I'm, I'm following the, the low point on the south side of the ridge. I follow it up, and then I go straight up hill, right? It's, it's this little terrain feature that deer typically don't travel because it's kind of steep. And I use that to my advantage, um, up into this, uh, this, this tree stand. And it is, uh, it's a beautiful tree stand that I've had a lot of encounters through throughout the year. Um, not necessarily, I haven't killed a, no, I shot 170 incher, never found him, uh, because I, that was back in the day when I, uh, was filming, he was probably a five-year-old Boone and Crockett 10, my dumbass tried to get him on film. Uh, and instead I, um, you know, instead I tried to get, uh, get him on film. I let him walk through a shooting lane and then I put some dumbass shot on him and he, he lived, uh, to the next year he got bigger and then the neighbor shot him. So that's another lesson learned. So anyway, but what makes this, this stand so beautiful is that I get in it the deer are walking to the north of me on this military crest. I'm below their trail. And uh, after that, it's been like, I don't know, it's uh, my scent goes away. And they just kind of, they go. They just go through. And then even on the morning hunts, I'd use the same access route and the deer come back by me. And I can sit in that stand multiple times, multiple times uh, a, a week and get away with that same movement 
on specific winds, right? Now, that stand location would not work on a south wind or a southeast wind or a west wind or an east wind because you're, uh, you know, you're jeopardizing. You know, I'm not trying to cut the wind hard. I'm almost trying to cut it at that 90-degree angle where uh, deer travel is east-west, wind is straight north. Now, I could potentially, and on the other side of the ridge, I have another stand, and I just flip it, right? So if there's a south wind, the deer are going to be on the north facing slope and I'm on, I'm doing the same thing on the other side of the ridge. So technically you can, you can approach uh, a stand location or a ridge in two different ways. Now you can also do it. If the ridge runs north, south or south, north, you can do it on an east, west wind and do have the same type of, uh, you know, the same type of uh, access into there, so to speak. Now, this is another thing that I've learned that is really like it, it, it is so hard to do. It's so hard to make yourself do it, especially after a long day of hunting, a long week of hunting. You want to take the easiest route back to your truck, but you can't do that. Like, because you could potentially bump deer that are still on that trail at dark. Or, you know, if you're like, Hey, I'm just going to take, I know the deer are coming from the the bedding area they're going to walk right in front of me even on my you know a lot of it base is based off the wind but even on my access route after uh, a morning hunt or after an evening hunt i take the exact same route and it's the long way around um and I just don't want to get lazy and walk down a trail and you're just leaving that scent all over that. And that is what allows me to get away with hunting a a stand, uh, especially in this uh, example, a stand multiple times and it feeling fresh every single time because the access route is so lock tight. And uh, I strongly suggest really focusing on that this year. If you, if you're not doing it and you're taking the, the, you're putting a whole bunch of uh, work into accessing the tree stand, getting to the tree stand from your truck and, you know, being real refined in your approach also have the same type of, you know, pay attention on the way out as well. And I, I would strongly suggest getting out the same way. Now I, there's, there's this one, I could walk across a cornfield, uh, 800 yards from where I parked my truck, jump into this little strip of timber and uh, I could do it. But the access is bad, right? The deer would catch my scent at some point of me walking through this cornfield potentially. So what I do, it, it, it's the long way around. I drop down into a creek. I'll walk a creek. I'll cross it once. I'll get down a little further. Then I have to cross it again because of the bank situation. And uh, so I'm crossing a creek two times. And guess what? I do the exact same thing on the way out. I don't want to. All I want to do is walk right across the cornfield, but the deer are already in it uh, on, a, on an evening hunt or on a morning hunt. You know, it's probably not as bad. I could walk across that cornfield and the scent would probably deteriorate throughout the, the day, but I don't want to take any of those chances. And that is what allows a tree stand to be hunted multiple times, right? It's not so invasive into that area. Now there are times where on a, on a running gun, I know that, geez, I'm going to, 
I'm going in deep and I'm going to make a lot. I'm, I'm going in. I'm only hunting this tree stand specifically for an evening, right? I'm going in. Um, once the deer get by me, they're going to potentially bust me, right? I have scenarios like that. That's when I tear down, get out of there and I'm not coming back in the morning or, you know, you flip it, you go in on a morning hunt and maybe the tree stands already there from when you set it up. Or maybe it's not, and you're doing a morning running gun, which and these suck. I hate doing them, but you got to do it. And uh, so you get in there, and then you know that, hey, uh, if they get by me on the way back to bedding, there's a chance that they get, uh, that they bust me. Uh, you know, especially when you're targeting one deer or a specific, uh, specific hit list. And that's when uh, first time in, best time in really matters, right? Because in a scenario like that, I'm cutting the wind. Uh, pretty aggressive uh, anyway uh, it's not like a 90 degree win so so just lock tight access routes both to your stand and out of your stand is another thing that I've I've really learned has brought me uh, more I don't know how to put it uh, uh, more encounters with deer of the caliber that I want to chase and I think that goes you know whether I'm in Iowa and some would say the the pressure there is much lower Right. I can agree to that uh, than Wisconsin or excuse me, than Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, whatever. That's why it's so important for those access routes, for being just ultra critical on how you approach and leave your tree stand. So there's that. Uh, What's the next one here? Cutting. In college, I would take notes and then I'd go back to look at my notes and I'm just like, holy cow, I must be handicapped because I don't even know what I'm writing right here. Like, and I did that wind cutting dictates. I don't know, whatever. I think I, I think I probably covered it now. Uh, when it comes to this access, right. And, and, and this happens to me all the time. I, I know maybe I get a trail camera pick or I get a, uh, a, uh, a sighting from the tree stand of a buck working through the area. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to leave this tree stand here. I'm going to come back to it tomorrow morning or the next morning, or I'm going to give it a day to set. And man, uh, this is where I struggle, honestly, the most is how much time do I give a spot before it's it's time for me to move on. And last year, no, the year before was a perfect example of me moving around probably too much, right? So I would go into an area, give it a try, leave, go somewhere else. Like in, in it, I'd give it maybe two hunts, an afternoon and a morning, then go afternoon and a morning. And so, so what I saw on my trail cameras, once I pulled the trail cameras and pulled that data for that season, you know, after the season was over, I would see my target deer coming through the area maybe the next day or the day after, or the day after that. So instead I'm hopping to all these new places looking for, you know, looking for a buck or checking trail cameras and and moving in on on the latest, greatest. When some of the trail cameras that I I put in the spots where I don't check them and I just let them run all season. And usually those are in some type of bedding area or something. But the reason I, (laughs) the reason I do that is because I want to be mobile, right? But I think there's a time where you got to stick it out in an area and you got to see how the deer cycle through it on different wind directions. Now, you may still have to move 
you may still have to go and, uh, you know, you, you still may have to move. You still may have to uh, tear down, move 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, however many yards, so that if there's a shift in the wind, you can accommodate that deer movement, right? You can, you know, because if you, if you set up, you know, hey, man, I got a northwest wind. I'm going to have it blow down this ridge, down this drainage, blah, blah, blah. Wind shift comes. The deer are going to adjust to that. So it's always hard for me. Uh, one thing that I, I go, okay, well, I just got to get out of the area. Wind's going to shift tomorrow. I got to get out of the area. Well, what, what has happened is I don't give the area enough time and the deer come through. So I, I think this year my goal is to just kind of ride it out because if you're, if you're switching too much, if you're, you're too mobile, then you're, it's almost like, in, in my opinion, you're just, you're hoping a deer comes by to wherever location you're at, unless you have a lot of uh, trail camera data or sighting data that allows you to move into an area. But if, if you haven't located a big buck or you don't have trail camera pictures of uh, whatever you're trying to shoot, you're just, you're hoping, you're guessing at that point. You're not actually observing the the area and that specific feature of how deer are moving through it on different winds, right? So you pop in and maybe I need to start giving it a afternoon and then a morning and then another afternoon and then another morning and really see what comes through there uh, throughout the entire, you know, through an entire maybe two, maybe three day period. And then after that, if there's still nothing that uh, leads me to make a, a, a micro shift in that area, then that's when I bounce and head over to a different farm or a different part of the property or another ridge just to see what's moving. Because sometimes it can be one ridge over where all the movement's at. Uh, and you got to adjust to that. Uh, see, 2019, um, when I was chasing a giant, I was on the wrong ridge. I, I paid a lot of attention to a ridge. I bounced around between uh, on both sides of the creek as these ridges. But guess what? He was, I saw him one morning, one ridge over. So um, I, I had a big wind shift. I couldn't hunt that ridge where I saw him. So I was going to bounce to another one. Didn't see him. Then I bounced, uh, got, got a trail camera picture, bounced him across the road. When I think what I should have done was plan for that next wind direction that I saw him on and just sit tight and hold in that position and see if he maybe worked his way through. But, you know, again, that's the rut. Everything that I'm telling you today, it isn't, you know, it isn't law because the the rut can dictate so much. That's when chaos ensues. Um, but as far as uh, access routes, man, that can always be locked tight. That's not, and that's something that I th I think about all the time when I'm on uh, when I'm in hunt stand, and I have I'm looking at places to put tree stands on on the farm. And I do this every year, even though I've hunted this farm seven, eight, nine. Oh shit, it's been like thirteen years now. I can't believe it. Uh, and then some of the other properties and even the public that I hunt down close to my house, I am looking at strategies. I'm looking at our access routes on every wind direction, not just, Hey, you know, if I got, um, if I got an East West, I can only have a North South uh, wind. If I have East West Ridge, I can only have a, a North wind on the South facing slope, blah, blah, blah. No, 
I need to know how to uh, attack that specific ridge on any wind direction. So, I mean, the way I look at it is if I had enough tree stands, I'd have, you know, let's just say I wanted to permanently put up, uh, permanently put up a tree stand in every scenario, right? I don't do that because I run and gun, but if I could, I would, right? Let's say at the end of the ridge in a bedding area, man, it's a good bedding area. I should have potentially four tree stands in that bedding area for a multitude of wind directions. And if you, if you kind of look at it like that and you see a deer, there should never be a moment where you are saying, I better hold off. I can't, you know, I, I shouldn't hunt this because the wind's wrong. No, you got to find access route into that bedding area or that staging area or that pinch point or that funnel when even even if the wind is bad, bad, there's got to be an access route in there. There should never be a moment where you're just like, eh, can't hunt it unless you have so much show camera data or uh, historical data of, uh, of deer moving through that that they will literally bust you if there's, you know, you just have to set up in a different spot, set up up way up the ridge, set up way down the ridge, set up on the, you know, the, the north side of the ridge, on the, the south side, whatever. There's got to be chinks in the armor. There's always chinks in the armor. You just have to find them. So um, that's 27 minutes of me just going bananas uh, right now. And I, I uh, think I'm just going to kind of cut it at that. But stand locate picking your stand locations and the access routes to that stand location are in my opinion the most important part of attacking deer and that is something that you just learn over time right i know a lot of the guys who listen to this uh to this podcast are um and, and it, let me back backtrack a sec it doesn't matter if you hunt private it doesn't matter if you hunt public these principles translate to both of that, right? Are the deer pressured? If they're highly pressured, then this is more important. If the deer are, are not as pressured, well, it's still important, but maybe not as important. So uh, just think about this the next time you're walking into the timber, maybe in the next couple of weeks to either set up a, a, a tree stand, if you haven't done that already, if, uh, you know, or you're just going to run and gun, you start in here in September, man, just be ultra critical in your thought process. Don't overthink it. It's okay to go with your gut, but the access routes and the tree stand locations are obviously very important. So, um, I'll say this, I'm going to end on, I'm going to end on this because, uh, last night I made the mistake of going into iTunes or, uh, wherever I get reviews on the podcast and some guy left me a one star review. And initially I wanted to come on here and just be like, you know what? Fuck you piece of shit. I hope you die. <laughs> that was, that was the original thought. But then the cooler, calmer Dan Johnson came and he's like to that guy who was so unhappy with my podcast, he had to give it a one star. I hope you have the best season that you've ever had. I hope that you find success and happiness in the tree stand this year with your family, with uh, by yourself, you know, whether you're going to multiple states, whether you're just hunting a small five acre family farm, whatever it is, I hope you find success, you find happiness and you kill a booner, right? I, I honestly believe that, um, but maybe just a little poison ivy on your nuts if, uh, 
uh, along the way. That might make me feel just a little better. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but um, everybody else, thank you very much for tuning in today. Really appreciate it. Um, please follow along on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. We got a ton of uh, new content coming out. I have, uh, I'm doing a video series of the gear uh, that, I, that I'm using. And it is the first three are about uh, pants and base layers and jackets and, and upper body, you know, clothing and boots and socks and stuff like that. And then, then I'm probably going to break down some of my tree stands and uh, uh, other equipment like bows and arrows and whatnot. So there's that. Um, again, I wish all of you the best of luck. Please go out and uh, leave no excuses. Like, this is the moment that we have been waiting for our since last season, right? We we live and we breathe and we die for this shit. And I'll tell you right now, um, I'm going to personally go out and I'm going to hunt my balls off. And I don't want anybody to say any, I don't want there to be any excuses, right? Oh, the neighbor or, or you know, there's other guys on my property. Oh, there's too many guys on, on public. I don't give a shit like find a way find a way hunt hard move got problems move then go again move 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 do whatever you need to do legally of course uh to to get the job done man and then at the end of the season if you're still you still didn't tag a buck you can say you know what damn it i i busted my balls and it just didn't happen deer one guess what next year i'm gonna be smarter i'm gonna be more calculated and then i'm gonna kill them right and just go into every hunt with extreme confidence not only in yourself and your, your strategy but your equipment as well and it's going to work out for you i swear to god it will so um I, I wish all of you the best of luck be sure to subscribe to the nine finger chronicles on itunes or wherever you download your podcast be sure to follow nine finger chronicles on instagram and uh facebook and uh dude good vibes man wear your safety harness uh good vibes in good vibes out all the time good vibes out and uh we'll talk to you next time